I'm Andrew White and welcome to the fifth Walks Around Britain podcast. The UK is just about to have an extended holiday to celebrate the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. So what better way to celebrate than to go away for several days of walking? And of course, you can find some great walks from across the country on our website, which is walksaroundbritain.co.uk. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us about anything you hear in the podcast. Or if you'd like to suggest a topic for us to cover, you can email us at podcast at walksaroundbritain.co.uk. Or you could send us a tweet, twitter.com forward slash walksbritain. And you can leave us a post on our Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash walksbritain. Now, you may know that Scotland's highest mountains are known as Munros, named after Sir Hugh T. Munro, who, back in 1891, surveyed all the country's mountains above 3,000 feet, which is 914.4 metres. From that, he produced a table which catalogued 236 peaks, which he deemed to be individual mountains. The list was revised in 2007, and the total now stands at 283 Munros. Walking all the Munros, or Munro bagging as it's called, is a very popular pursuit amongst the climbing and hill-walking fraternity, and is a task usually spread across several months or even years. So, to walk several of the Munros in a short space of time is a significant challenge, and this is what six sixth-form pupils and three teachers from LVS Ascot School in Berkshire attempted in late March. One of the teachers, Nick Fennell, recorded an audio blog for us. This is the start of the audio blog for the LVS Great Wilderness Challenge with uh, six, six formers and three teachers setting off from Lockinew this morning at about eight o'clock uh, to try and conquer a few Monroes and walk in the Great Wilderness for four days. We'll be blogging about every four or five hours or as uh, we get connectivity during the next four days. Good morning, this is the LVS Great Wilderness team uh, reporting from by the side of Loch Marie on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. Yesterday we successfully climbed uh, the Munro Sleok, uh, got up to the top round about uh, 3 o'clock after a hard slog in some quite difficult conditions and then made it down to the uh, lakeside where we camped, uh, brewed up, had an evening meal and were then most of us in bed by 9 o'clock. Today the intention is to walk down by the side of the lock and up through the pass uh, to the next Bothy, Carmel Bothy, where we're going to lay up and prepare ourselves for the assault on the next two Monroes. We'll try and check in this evening with another report. Good morning, this is the LVS Great Wilderness Challenge team. Uh, yesterday was a long day as we made it up from uh, camp down by Loch Marie, 16 kilometres up to Carnmore Bothy where we arrived last night at about 7 o'clock and set up camp, had a much-needed hot meal before bedding down for the night. And this morning we've woken up early, 7 o'clock, uh, ready to get packed and start our assault on the final two Munros of the challenge, which we hope to complete and be back in camp by 5 o'clock this evening before the long march out to civilization on Tuesday. And I'm glad to say Nick joins me now. Nick, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure. So explain a little bit more about the background to the challenge. Well, the challenge came about because um, a fellow teacher of mine at LVS Ascot, Gary Blunt, who's also the Director of Outdoor Education, was looking for a challenge, something that we could um, do with some sick formers that would challenge everyone mentally and physically and uh, raise some money for charity. And uh, we came up with the idea of uh, going up to Scotland, into the Great Wilderness, 
um, which we knew would give us the opportunity, if the weather was good, to climb some Munros. Uh, and even if the weather weren't so good, then uh, we could um, still walk uh, in the Great Wilderness, uh, but we'd probably have to keep ourselves at low levels. So in a nutshell, that's uh, how the challenge came about. How did the team do? Uh, the team did really well. We had um, a fantastic weather, but uh, even with that fantastic weather, I don't think the severity of what we were taking on uh, dawned until we, um, on day one, attempted our first Monroe, and that was uh, Sleok. Um, and that gave us a, a very quickly a taste of what was to come for when we attempted the next two a couple of days later, and the next two being arguably two of the most inaccessible uh, Munros uh, in that part of Scotland. So the boys did really, really well. Um, they uh, gelled very quickly as a team. The strong helped the weak. Uh, they kept their sense of humour. They kept their sense of purpose. And they all thoroughly enjoyed it. And bearing in mind that before we set off, uh, one of them had absolutely no experience of any type of walking for recreation at all. In fact, he'd only just broken his boots as we were leaving Ascot for Scotland. Uh, and a couple of the lads uh, are working towards their Duke of Edinburgh gold. Um, so they were the most recently experienced in walking. Um, but uh, the walking they've done, obviously on Exmoor, practising for D of E, uh, was um, not as severe as the terrain we were in, uh, in the great wilderness, uh, as we went up and down those hills. So a fantastic effort by them all, achieved everything we wanted to do, uh, mentally and physically, and had a great time whilst doing it. What were the major difficulties in the challenge? Difficulties? Well, I think we're extremely fortunate in that we didn't really have any uh, major major difficulties to overcome. We were blessed, as I've mentioned before, with extraordinarily good weather. Um, for that part of Scotland at that time of year, it was just amazing. We didn't get one drop of rain. Um, uh, you know, the dampest it got was in the morning with a bit of early morning dew, but that soon burnt off and we were treated to uh, spectacular views. I think the one difficulty um, we all had um, and it's fairly minor, was adjusting to the weight of our packs um, at the beginning of the expedition. Because, of course, we were having to carry all our food, water, tentage, and we were also having to carry a whole range of clothing, because even though the forecast was good, um, as you know, and as all your listeners will know, we don't go into that part of the world, into that terrain, without being prepared for literally any kind of weather. So we were carrying cold weather clothing and gear, as well as the warm weather clothing we were walking in, which made our packs heavier. And that took some getting used to on day one, especially as we were climbing, and then day two, the long walk to the next, uh, the next um, bothy, uh, and calm more bothy where we were going to be staying. So I think that was the biggest difficulty, just getting getting used to walking with that amount of weight on our backs. Uh, for some of us, it, uh, it was the first time for a long time doing that. Some of us, it was the first time ever doing that. And even those who've regularly practised over the past years with packs on their backs found the extra weight a little bit daunting. But uh, difficult to really call it a, dif uh, a difficulty, um, more just uh, uh, something to get used to and overcome. Uh, as I say, we were very lucky. So how much did the team raise and can our listeners still contribute? Uh, our target was to raise £2,000 for Help for Heroes. And as I speak, we've actually raised 
£2,600, which is fantastic um, and a great achievement and very generous of all our supporters. Um, it is still possible, though, um, to uh, contribute. And um, if anybody out there listening would like to, then uh, they can f- do so through uh, our website, which is part of the Just Giving website. So if you go on to justgiving.com and search for LVS Wilderness Challenge uh, and follow the links through to that, it will it will take you to our page. It would be fantastic if we could make £3,000 and exceed our target by £1,000 before we uh, we close it down. Many thanks, Nick. Well, thank you for inviting me, and hopefully uh, we'll be doing another challenge and uh, you'll invite me to come back and talk about that in the near future. We certainly will. And if you'd like to donate to the challenge, you can find a link to the Just Giving page from the show notes for this podcast on our blog, which you can find by clicking through from our website at walksroundbritain.co.uk. Just in case you ever get asked in a pub quiz, the first person to actually bag all the Munros wasn't Sir Hugh Monroe at all, but his great rival, the Reverend A.E. Robertson in 1901. Since then, the Scottish Mountaineering Club has recorded over 2,800 Munro baggers who have completed the list. Here in Britain, it's widely recognised that we have probably the best maps in the world, courtesy of the Ordnance Survey. But there's always room for new maps, especially if they approach mapping in a different light. And that's exactly what two maps showing the Lake District and the Scottish Munros do. How? By mixing in the style of the famous London Underground Tube map, designed by Harry Beck. The designer of these two new maps tells us how they came about. My name is Peter Burgess. I live in London now, although I grew up in, uh, in Lancashire, near between Clitheroe and Blackburn, in a, a small village. And I came down to London to teach. Obviously, for years, growing up in the Ribble Valley, I was into the, the outdoors and climbing up Pendle Hill initially, you know, running from school on a, a Wednesday afternoon, going to the Lake District with my parents and... When I came to London, obviously my love of Wainwright, it sort of um, merged the two ideas. It, it wasn't an overnight thing. It, it probably took quite a few years. Over a decade, I had the idea um, one day on the Jubilee line. I was looking at the colours on the actual key to the, the tube map, and I thought some of the colours looked like the colours that Wainwright used in his, his, his guidebooks. Um, and it kind of went from there. But obviously with teaching full-time, I just didn't have time until I uh, took a career break a few years ago. And then I thought I might as well get this map done and see, see where I can take it. So um, that's where the, the idea originally came from. Obviously, um, initially, I didn't have a clue. You know, I thought, gosh, this is uh, one, of, one of my bizarre ideas and it, it'll probably nobody will like it. Um, and what was quite interesting, uh, unfortunately, my dad uh, got taken ill with cancer um, about two years ago. But he did see it before I published it. And he said, well, Peter, you know, I, I appreciate the design. He was an aircraft engineer by trade. And he was actually born in 1933, so he was from that sort of Harry Beck era, because Harry Beck uh, designed the map in 1931. So it's that kind of iconic graphic art. So my dad kind of appreciated it, I think, as, a, as an engineer himself. But he just said, you know, Peter, I think most people who are into the Lake District won't like the thought of being reminded of London. <laughs> um, and I've actually seen that. A, a, there's a chap on that, I don't know who he was, but some chap on a fell running blog had sort of quoted that line. He said, the last thing I want is reminding of London kind of thing. So I kind of seen this and um, I thought, yeah, well, I'll see what happens. Even my brother thought, nah, this is a, this is a, a no-goer. But as soon as I released it, it kind of went a bit sort of manic, really. Um, 
and everybody who's seen it um, have really taken to it. I just think it's kind of a new design and a new look. And, um, and a lot of people have said to me, you know, it's kind of brought the mountains up to date in a kind of weird way. So um, I think with being a teacher as well, I think, you know, thinking about the way kids' minds think as well. You know, the Youth Hostel Association were quite keen initially and they've, they've got a big version of it in up in Coniston Copper Mines at the Youth Hostel there. So it, it, it kind of reaches out to a kind of younger audience in some ways. Well, this is the question that people ask me is, you know, where on earth did you start? And it, it was in my head, you know, <laughs> it was it was just in my head. And um, if you've ever been on the London Tube, you're probably aware of the central line that goes east to west across uh, across London. And I thought, right, coast to coast. And um, I just put a line across this piece of paper I had and um, and it just went from there. And I actually started the opposite to Wayne, right? I actually started with the Western Fells and then just, just came eastwards. I roughly kind of sketched it out first. And because I didn't want to spend hundreds of pounds on design software, I thought, right, what can I do it on? And I started drawing it on Microsoft Publisher, and uh, which was a, rather a big task, really, because it's uh, not a piece of design software. It's a <laughs> desktop publisher, of course. So um, that was a bit of a nightmare, really. But it worked, and, and, and it kind of created the, the look. Obviously, the problem was when it came to print it. But, but they managed it. Reads in Penrith did, did a fine job, so that was great. Being geographically trained, I, I sort of knew the Lake District would work because of its its aerial extent is roughly the same size as Greater London. So I knew when I created the map of the Lake District, obviously it wouldn't look like the tube map, but it would look have the same sort of feel, the size, the shape and what have you. So initially, despite thinking about producing one for the Scottish Munros, I knew it wouldn't visually look anything like a tube map. So I kind of binned that idea straight away. And I'd already looked at the Himalaya and the Rocky Mountains because I thought, you know, the geology is because of the fold mountains and what have you. Are, you know, it's kind of you can create straight lines. And I thought, well, that would probably work, you know. But after the map was launched, people immediately were saying, are you going to do the Munros? You know, it's quite a lot of people ringing me up and, um, and writing to me and saying, you know, you're going to do the Scottish Munros, aren't you? And I was sort of, um, well, um, no. <laughs> but obviously in, in latter, latter weeks, it's, uh, it's become a, a kind of no-brainer not to do it. So I sat down and started doing the, the Scottish Munro. So that's just gone to the uh, the printers. So uh, that will be available soon. It's got a completely different feel. It looks very different. It's more of a, a rail network, but um, it's equally quirky and bizarre. So uh, people will either love it or hate it, I suppose. But, you know, based on uh, current form of tubular fells, it seems that uh, people do like it. So fingers crossed. I actually want to give money, like the Tubular Fells map, to uh, a good cause. I'll try and make some money go to Scottish Mountain Rescue this time. Um, and James, who helps me with, with the website, um, is a member of the John Muir Trust, so it's also giving money to the John Muir Trust. So hopefully two good causes will um, we'll get some money from the map this time, which will be great. And you can find out more information and to buy the maps by going to the Tubular Fells website. The details are on the show notes for this podcast on our blog. <laughs> Now, it seems that the audio report from Gareth Jones in the last podcast prompted another of our good friends at Walks Around Britain to send in a walking sound clip. This time, it's Richard Vobes, the bald explorer. Richard, over to you. Hello, Andrew. It's Richard Vobes here. I'm out on the Dorset coastal path at the moment, just taking a bit of a stroll. Had some time off from work, and I'm down on the English Riviera here in Tor Bay in Devon. And the sun has come out and it's absolutely gorgeous as I'm just making a a couple of mile walk 
along the coastal path from Tor Bay over into um, a place called Daddy Hole, by the sounds of it. I've been following the coastal path, the, the red rock here and the, the red sands that I'm walking on, and I'm looking out to see there's a tanker in the bay that apparently has been there for a, a few weeks, mooching about, waiting for orders. It's going to come in somewhere, probably in Plymouth, I imagine, and, and do whatever it's got to do. And I'm just actually making my way back now on this pathway. It's so wonderful. I cannot tell you how delightful it is to be out in the open, walking away. Now, I can't go terribly far because I'm working at the moment, and I didn't actually put my walking boots on. In fact, I've got just some Converse's. And I know listening to your podcast how important it is, of course, to be wearing the right sort of shoes. I don't want to end up with blisters, otherwise I won't be able to walk for my job. Um, So I'm just taking it a little bit easy, but it's so nice to get out into the bright sun. So warm. I don't know what the temperatures are. Anyway, Andrew, I just wanted to let you know that um, I'm out and about and I am walking, keeping myself fit and enjoying this wonderful view that's here in front of me. And uh, good luck to all your lovely listeners of the podcast. Um, I'm sure they'll all be getting out and about and, um, and exploring the wonderful British countryside. Anyway, I must go. I've got to get some more walking done. Till next time, bye for now. And don't forget you can send us your walking sound clip by recording your thoughts on a smartphone. There are a number of free sound recording apps available from the various app stores. Install one of them, record your audio and then email it to us. It's that simple. Or you can visit our blog 